Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cotrera Show for February the 2nd. Coming up, we are going to give you the details of a scam that takes advantage of those that want love and money. And is Doug Ford racist? Someone on Twitter is claiming he is. Why? Because he spoke in patois on his video of 22 ways to tell you to stay at home in various languages. Uh, We will open up the phone lines and see what listeners have to say about that. But first, let's turn our attention to another story that caught our eye. It is uh, online investors. Apparently, they're pushing up the price of silver. It broke above $30 U.S. an ounce for the first time since 2013 yesterday. Not sure how it's going this morning. I heard from Chris Creston that it might be dumping a little bit, at least dropping in value. Darren Long is an expert in this field. He's director of Delta Harbor Assets, and he joins the show. Darren, welcome. Welcome, and uh, thank you for having me, Kelly. It's nice to be here. Hey, Darren, can you give us perspective on where the silver market's been trending for the past few months? Uh, Was it undervalued? Well, silver as a whole, as a market, has been undervalued. And there's been a great number of uh, factual bits and pieces that have been written from supply-demand problems to, you know, the reasons it, it rises in price due to the threat of a falling dollar or inflation, all kinds of things that have happened. But as a market, the price of silver has been arguably undervalued for about 15 years now, despite the fact that it's had a number of really, really nice rallies. And this most recent one uh, over the last 24 to, to 48 hours has been another example of how uh, there's been a number of popular narratives, this one in particular, happening to revolve around the Reddit Robinhood mob. Right. And this Reddit group, Wall Street Bets in particular, is this a case, the silver uh, gaining strength here uh, on the at the stock market? Is this a case of them striking again? Sure. I mean, what people don't realize is that the average guy going into a dealer to buy a coin or a bar of silver does very little to the actual price of silver. The uh, the price of silver is set in the paper market, unfortunately, in what's called the futures market. And um, the spot price that we use to kind of uh, fix the price of silver and then add a premium for the bar and the profit margin in for the wholesaler and the dealer uh, that that comes to us uh, differently from each each particular dealer, and this uh, this popular narrative was that after Citadel and after the whole GameStop thing, the the whole Reddit Robinhood mob was going to take their show on the road and, and go and focus on silver because it is arguably one of the most uh, allegedly manipulated markets in the world, and um, the reality is that you know I'm rooting for them. I want them to do well, but All they've done really is just done, uh, you know, they've had a short-term effect on a market which in the grand scheme of things is going to go higher in price, my belief that it will, based on fundamental reasons. But in the short term, it's been fun to watch. And yes, the price of silver did rally up to over $30 an ounce and it hadn't been there since spring of last year. And uh, right now we're facing big disconnect between what the paper price of silver is this morning as it's come off of that high and uh, trading around uh, just below $27 an ounce U.S., and what people are actually paying for physical ounce of silver or bar coin for, in bar coin form. So it's a very, very big disconnect. It's a popular what, what, what narrative. What are they fund. paying? Well, you're paying anywhere from 
Uh, I would say right now, um, in terms of what I'm following, most of the small dealers are all out of product, first off. That's the big mm-hmm. major point that we have to make. It's that uh, COVID, among other things, has caused problems with logistics over the last year, and the mints have not been able to get supply of raw product quick enough. So the Royal Canadian Mint and the U.S. Mint and other mints around the world have had a really difficult time keeping up with the demand. And when we thought they did catch up in the last quarter of uh 2020, uh, that was not the case. And now they find themselves again several weeks out on on being able to, to give product to the suppliers. So what is left over is now being sold at, you know, five, six, seven, eight, and even seen as much as $10 an ounce higher than what the paper market price is. Okay, so uh, is this a case where they're going to be selling more silver on paper than is actually available, and could that be problematic? It's very problematic because if you look at the the factual numbers, what it tells us is that the control of the selling side is in the hands of very few people, very large institutions in the paper market, about eight or less control about half of a year's worth of supply of silver, whereas the buyers, because there's for every buyer, there's a seller, the buyers are in the tens of thousands of people around the world. And so the reality is that, um, you know, you have a very concentrated selling side and a very unconcentrated buying side. But what we've seen in the short term is that this whole uh, Wall Street bets, uh, Reddit, Robinhood mob, they've been able to basically get enough traction to bring attention to the situation. So I think it does bode well in terms of those getting exposed to it exposed uh, to silver and i do think that it will have an impact uh going forward on pricing but in the short term listen the bigger institutions it's like a mosquito bite on their rear end um and and mm. the, the the popular narrative now is that this is basically like a bunch of five-year-olds that that found out where daddy keeps uh, his matches so whether it lasts or not is uh, it remains to be seen there are some people that feel that that's not giving uh, enough credit to the retail uh, investors out there that that we've never been in a, a position where more information has been accessible. So now you actually can do research online and you can, if you do your research and your research is based on um, sound modeling and sound findings, that you could actually invest smartly. Well, you can, and it's a balance. It's it's what is becoming now more of the mainstream approach. As far as I've seen at our firm and uh, through my 17 years, this has been a growing uh, trend towards looking at your wealth as a whole and recognizing the importance of having balance, diversity. Uh, and, and that is the key to doing well and being successful in the marketplace. It's not a, a point of saying that this is the only thing you should put your money into and you know it's all your eggs in one basket it's just saying that there are other avenues such as silver or gold that can bring balance to a portfolio in fact the last uh, decade and a half has been extremely good for gold and silver and they've been very stable uh, there have been moments like any investment where they've been up and down and this morning is certainly one of them for silver but on the whole they've been averaging uh, since 2005 around 10 to 12 percent uh, gain per year, uh, which is ex- excellent way to benefit uh, a portfolio that needs more balance. Before last week, many people didn't even know what GameStop was. Admittedly, I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, now everybody knows what GameStop is, and it's it's probably a model that is going to fail in the long run. The actual store, unless they do something to get themselves online really quickly with all the money that's invested in that company. But 
I'm not putting any money down. I'm not making any bets on that. But do you think for the retail investor that might not know very much, they look at silver as opposed to GameStop and they say, well, actually, I understand what silver is. I know uh, that I can hold it in my hand and I think it's a more sound investment. Is it more attractive to that retail investor that's looking to play the stock market? I think it is. And I think because it's tangible, as you said, you can hold it in your hand. It's something that you can use for many different things. And it's been around for thousands of years. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no counterparty risk when you own a physical hunk of silver or gold. It's, it's something that you can uh, buy and sell very easily. It's no longer cumbersome to, to transport. It's easily done and it's liquid. In fact, it's among the most liquid assets in the world uh, with the ability to be bought or sold in, in most markets around the world 24 hours a day. So in reality, when it's done properly and it's part of a well-balanced portfolio, for me in the long term, this makes way more sense uh, as an addition to to wealth strategy than it would uh, something like GameStop. But there are those people out there who who love that uh, that uh, quick Thrill. money option, and, and you know that's that's what they want. They go for yeah. it. And everybody loves it. They love a great story where you know the little guy takes on the Goliath. Yeah, I just wonder very quickly if I could wrap this up. There are uh, some speculations that hedge funds could be jumping on board disguised as retail investors. What Do you think that's going on? Well, I think for sure there's definitely that uh, part of the story that's being developed. And I think the, the, the biggest problem is that when the media went all in over the weekend trying to explain the significance of the GameStop saga, uh, there were very few actual traders who were asked about it. There were There were you know, this, this torrent of, of, of opinions, but very little in the way of factual analysis that would enlighten people. So I, I do think that if you look further into this story, you will find that there are institutional uh, traders that love this game that are very quiet, perhaps smaller hedge funds, if there's such a thing in terms of uh, the reality of hedge funds. But there certainly are going to be people who are playing and being part of this on both sides of the market because they have the technology and the ability and the money to be able to buy and sell as quick as they want. So, of course, there's going to be that mix in there. They're going to be very quiet about it and not say anything. In fact, if I was managing that kind of money, I would be very quiet about it also. Darren, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been uh, great chatting with you again. As always, it's a pleasure. Sally, thanks for having me. Everybody's looking to make some money, right? We're, we're hurting during this pandemic. Uh, people have a lot of time at home. And with time at home comes, you know, a lot of uh, thoughts, a lot of reflection. What's missing in your life? What do you want? And, you know, I think GameStop has shown us that a lot of people want to get rich as quick as possible. Unfortunately, this is one of the things that scammers seem to be targeting, right? The get rich quick scheme and love. And when you combine both of those things, you have a perfect storm for people to be swindled. We're joined now by Jeff Thompson. He's with the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center. He's been on the show numerous times. And every time we have you on, Jeff, I think, well, that was an awesome segment because hopefully we at least helped out one 640 Toronto listener or somebody they know stay away from being scammed. That's that's the goal here. We're always uh, looking to get the fraud awareness out and uh, really happy to be on the show again. Well, tell us about this uh, latest investment scam. It cost a Toronto area woman $80,000. She's so embarrassed about it. She's not telling her family. And unfortunately, some of the money was there. She borrowed it. So maybe give us some background on this particular story and, and what the scam was. Sure. So uh, this starts out as a as a romance scam, right? So in a romance scam, we have fraudsters creating fake profiles on dating websites, uh, social networking websites. 
um, and ultimately looking to solicit companionship and love. So uh, oftentimes the, you meet somebody online, they're going to, uh, when it comes to a fraudster, they're going to profess their love uh, very fast. Uh, they're going to want to take the relationship off the dating website, move to a different mode of communication. Um, and they'll always have an excuse why they can't meet in person. Often they're traveling abroad, they're in the army, and, and so on, right? Um, so these, these relationships build up, they gain your trust, your confidence, and typically they'll ask you for money, uh, money for travel, for a plane ticket to come and meet you, for medical emergency, uh, family assistance, and so on. In this particular case, uh, the request for cash was uh, presented as a money-making opportunity instead, right? So we're not asking you to send your own money for, for various urgent situations. We're, we're offering you a chance to actually make money here. Um, and why don't you, you join us in these investment opportunities? And in particular, it was a, a trading platform, I think, investing in, in cryptocurrencies. Right. So this wasn't a case of the, a prince needs your help. No, no, it's uh, it's it certainly it's, it's it's presented again. It's the romance scam where they gain your trust and your affection, and then it's it's presented as a you know we want you to send your money, you have an opportunity to make money here. You know, uh, there are a couple of things that you brought up there. One is the fact that they always in these romance scams, one of the tip offs is that they can't meet you in person. They just can't be there. COVID, I guess, is facilitating this scam, right? Because the pandemic, how are you going to meet up? Yeah, exactly. And again, the the connection to always traveling abroad. So, I mean, if you tie in recent uh, travel restrictions, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a reason why they can't come and meet you. Now, uh, yesterday I was talking about this doggy coin or dodgy coin that uh, is one of those uh, Wall Street bets um, assets that people are saying, you know, uh, it's it's undervalued. Let's let's grab this and buy into it as quick as possible. Uh, this scam, your scam, is involving uh, uh, cryptocurrency, which I would imagine, like if you're reading about cryptocurrency, possibly legitimate cryptocurrency gaining money, then you might, you know, in stories like Wall Street Bets, you might say, oh, okay, I understand. It's like time for the little guy to make some money off investments. But tell us about the cryptocurrency um, facet of this scam and how it works, because I understand that you can actually watch your money and your investments climb online. There's a website component where people are really being scammed, and I want to make people aware of this. Yeah, so so typically what they're doing is they're directing people to uh, software applications that allow you to do trading. Um, and in some cases, they may even come with packages where you know you, you have to buy this software and then you have to pay for a tutorial on how to invest, how to get your money in, and it shows you how you're going to make money. So there's sort of a learning opportunity to use these platforms. Um, so in this case, these platforms, might, it might not just be cryptocurrency, it might be Forex and other types of investment opportunities. Um, but yeah, you're essentially paying for, for the software, then you're paying to get your money into that software. And in some cases, you may control that software or you're giving control to the fraudster. It could be just a complete fraud software altogether. Right. So basically, they're manipulating it and and making it look like, as this woman said, she started it with $500 she invested. And then it appeared that she made $5,000 a couple of days in trading. And she was she was really excited about it. So she kept putting in more money. They could be working it from, you know, the back end and, and manipulating things. Exactly. Yeah, they they can. You know, you're going to see your investments go up and down on these softwares, uh, and the catch usually comes when you try and get that money out. You know, they, the money's either gone, you can't get access to the, to the software again, or um, you know, the, it's it, it's just gone. Right, the money's gone, and, and there's nothing left. That's what happened to this woman. Eighty thousand dollars. Money's gone. 
She says she feels completely betrayed. Um, she's embarrassed. She doesn't want to tell her family members. And her family members loaned her some money, uh, to, you know, to put forward in this uh, scam. Obviously, she didn't tell them about it, what it was for. Um, maybe she did tell them she was going to make them some money. But now she's in a, a lot of trouble. And I can imagine when you are uh, dealing with the pandemic, and I don't think that this woman has been working for the past few years, there's some serious stress involved. So what are your tips when it comes to family members or um, signs that they could be getting involved in something like this? What, what should people be looking out for? So when it comes to, uh, to investment opportunities, it's, it's really about doing your due diligence, right? Um, and that starts with checking with, uh, you know, third-party uh, searches on the internet, you know, what's this software, what's this investment opportunity, but also going to your securities regulators. Each province has a, a securities regulator. Ontario Securities Commission is, is ours in Ontario, um, but you, you certainly want to visit their website, reach out to them, and you can also check on the Canadian Securities Administrator's website, you know, if uh, a business is actually registered, right? So um, invest, investment brokers need to be registered. Uh, they have to have... Um, you know, be registered with the Ontario Securities Commission, and you really want to research these opportunities to see if they're they're true and, and actual um, registered entities with uh, the Securities Commissions. Okay, what if you find out that the one that you've searched is not there? It is not registered. What do you do? Well, that that would be a big red flag, right? So again, if if you're purchasing investments in in, in Ontario, they sh- they should be going through a, a regulated and registered uh, broker. Um, so that that's something you know that's a big red flag, and you shouldn't be investing. So so again, contacting the securities regulator, Ontario Securities Commission, reaching out to Canadian securities administrators, or wherever you know whatever province you're in, uh, the securities uh, regulators in those provinces uh, to do your due diligence and see what uh, what the next steps are. But certainly, you know, if if the red flags are there. Don't don't invest. But who do you contact? Because don't you want to let people know that this fraud's happening? Yeah, and you can. Yeah, so once once you've identified it as a potential fraud, you certainly want to reach out to, um, you know, you can reach out to the Canadian Fraud Center, report to us uh, to, to see what we we might know and what we might recommend. Um, and then you also, you know, in the case if it's a, if it's a pure fraud, then you, you certainly want to report to your local police again because uh, fraud's a crime, and, and police need to know both the crimes happen in their community. Jeff, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for uh, bringing to light this scam. It's a, it hits on two things that people love, love and money. And yeah. uh, there's there's some desperate people out there, and that's not uh, making any judgment about their personalities. They're just, who doesn't want to be loved, and who doesn't want to make money, and who doesn't want to uh, have both at the same time? So I can see how these fraudsters are taking advantage of people. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. Garma Raho. Life Alchabed House. Gare Takun, Stats Akasa, Ostani Kodkucho, Ostani Kuchi, Gurie Uchu, Ostani Doma, Dun Menachek, Tisha Ru Babait, Korta Pateshe, Agwaid Gun, Dase Wande Rundak, Nase Wanunkskun, Ten Ayayad. All right, that is Doug Ford saying stay at home in, I don't know how many languages there. I know the entire video is 22 languages. And uh, that is the big message. Stay at home. We know the UK variant is here. We now know the South African variant has been uh, found in uh, one positive case in Peel. It's very scary. And what we need to do is we need to stay at home as much as possible. And so um, the government's been criticized nonstop for not getting the message out, for having mixed messages. This one's straight ahead. And some people are now calling this racist. I'll read you a tweet. 
Doug Ford is being called racist. Somebody said, and I quote the tweet, this is abhorrent at Ford Nation. This is racist, caps. Jamaicans speak English, caps. So inserting patois in this video infers they don't understand staying at stay at home. Furthermore, why didn't you get people that actually speak in caps the language to be in this video? I can answer the last question because then it wouldn't have the same weight. He's the premier asking people to stay home in their language so that they can understand the message coming from the top down. Okay, so that's why he did it. Another reason why he did it is because it 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 allows it to get um, some notoriety and gain traction and become viral. If you had a bunch of different people saying it, the message would be lost, I can tell you right now, they turn off because it's goofy in some respects. And so people like will be mildly amused by the fact that he's not very good at languages. But the message is there, right? I mean, it doesn't matter how you get any press is good press, as they say, right? How you get your point across, that's not important. Just the fact that you got your point across and got some attention, that's what's really important. So here's Ford saying, that, well, isolated the clip here. Chris found it. Uh, I couldn't pick it out. Here's Ford saying, stay at home in Patois. Ten ayayad. Okay. So I want to ask you, do you find this racist? 416-870-6400. It's interesting uh, that this uh, person on Twitter uh, points out that Jamaicans speak English, so inserting patois in this video infers they don't understand stay at home. You think this person was Jamaican that's insulted, or are they not? So if you are Jamaican and you speak patois, uh, I'd love to hear from you, 416-870-6400. Did you think this when you first heard it, that this was racist? Anybody else find this racist at all? I don't see that and maybe i'm in the dark like maybe i'm out to lunch on this i just want to know uh what your thoughts are 416-870-6400 let's start off with david in burlington david um is this racist the fact that doug ford used patois when jamaicans speak english i i've got 50 bucks that says your your previous statement was right this person isn't even patois and they're just making us think out of nothing if that's the case, then I'm offended that he used a, a southern dialect of Italian that uh, that it doesn't pertain to me, and and he didn't use the northern dialect to say the same. Yeah, well, the Sicilian in me says stuff it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, David. I'm well, kidding. No, get what, get what I, I kid because I love in the fact that you guys in the north on my people all the time. Well, come on. I, I don't know. Listen, I'm Irish when it's convenient. I'm Italian when it's convenient. It's all about the bit. I appreciate the uh, the time, David. And But I, I will say this because I'm not well versed in it. And I'm guessing uh, David's not as well. But I don't think Patois, I think Patois is a language. I don't think it's actual. There are Patois people. I think it's it's uh, Jamaican. Hey, uh, is it Jar? Is it Jarre? Yes, yes, hi, this is Jer, sorry. Ah, oh, Jer, how you doing? Sorry about that. Uh, Chris is trying to get everything written out for me here on the board so I understand everybody's name. Jerry, welcome to the show. You're Jamaican. What are your thoughts on this? I'm Jamaican background. I'm Canadian Jamaican. And all okay. it is to, to a lot of us is that's like how your mother would, would say, hey, boy, don't go outside. Tanayayad, or something will happen out there. So when he said that, that's more of a, like a lot of us, Canadian Jamaican background, we're laughing because yeah, that's how mom said it. It's like your mom saying "sit your butt down" or something like that. So he said in that type of form. So a lot of us is taken lightly, and then there's some of us that like to make things way bigger than what it is in in our community. Like to use these things as a, as a doorstep to their mm -hmm. point, their platform. 
No, we all, I don't, any real Jamaican background, we were laughing, saying yes. And you see the mother's like, see, he even told you. So I just So is that. it relatable as opposed to racist then? Very relatable. Very relatable. There is, okay. there is, there is nothing racist about that. And I, anybody else that looks at it like that still, yeah, needs to go back and, and, you know, find something else to do. But Yeah, well, you know, people are looking for stuff to complain about, uh, well, you know, all is. the time. That's too much COVID time to huff and puff. So, you yeah. know, lots of things to do right now. Yeah, hopefully they're huffing and puffing at home because they heard Doug Ford say it in a relatable way. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully they could go and learn how to make jerk chicken or curry chicken or something. Oh, man. Listen, I got... I. I know that it's a cheat, but that Monte memories of Montego Bay sauce Montego, from yes. the President's Choice. Oh my gosh, it's good. Yep. I got a That's chicken good. with its name on it in my freezer right now. Oh, good. You better roast it when you get home. Well, I'm home. I work from home. I got. I'm. I'm locked in. I. I. Uh, Reste à la maison for work. I mean, I'm one of the lucky ones. Hey, Anthony, welcome to the show. You were born here, but you got a Jamaican background. What are your thoughts about this? Oh, my thoughts are as I was just telling the other guy there is. It's actually ridiculous for us to actually say this is racist. It's far from racist. What we need to worry about as a black community is us killing one another. We're even in a pandemic and we're still killing one another. Mm. So Doug Ford saying what he said, he's just trying to get his point across. And he didn't say it in one language. He said it in many different languages. So for us pr- to pick at that, that's ridiculous. Sorry. Well, see, I don't even know if this person is Jamaican, a member of the Jamaican uh, community. Probably not. I, you know, yeah, it could be just some Lee Side Lucy, as, as Stafford likes to call her, you know, yeah, and exactly. home board thinking, oh, well, what was that? Oh, yeah. how dare he? <laughs> no, you know, no, someone... I found it funny. He, yeah. he actually did it pretty good, too. All right. You said it's funny, and he <laughs> did it pretty. All. all right. I <laughs> appreciate the call. Andy, thanks so much. Have a great day. Let's move on to Carol. Carol, what are your thoughts? I thought it was hilarious, man. When I saw it, I started sharing it to everybody. The only thing is that he said it too nicely. He should just say, Tana your yard. That's the deal, man. It was cool. <laughs> okay, so you're saying that the inflection was wrong. Oh, no, no, no. Everything was right. I'm just saying the real Jamaican would have said a little broader, Tana your yard. But it was cool. I all right. He included all of us. So you actually felt like you felt like it, it, it related to you directly. You felt that this was a way to say it where you'd feel more at home with that than a formal message. Big time, big time, nice. big time. Carol, I appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Hey, Rose in Toronto. Hi, good morning. Um, I am born in Jamaica, and I don't think it was so much racist as it was ignorant because we speak English in Jamaica. It's a broken English, mm-hmm. but it's English. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, and that's, that was this person's point. They said, like, it's, it's ridiculous because Jamaicans speak English. Maybe that's exactly. the case, but this is like uh, a way that, you know, our first caller said that your mom would say, come on. But you know, it's not a language. He's right. talking about other languages. It's not a language. All right. I don't know if he was talking about, like, I think people, I don't know if Doug Ford's ever said, st- I'm going to tell you to stay at home in, a, in 22 languages. I just think he said, stay at home well, in 22 ways. The, wasn't that the point of the actual video? To get well, people... I, yeah, to get the message across. Right. So, Is this the um, best I... way to get the message across or you think it, you think it is the message was lost there? Well, I think it was it it didn't it didn't make a point at all because it, like it's not a language is my point. He okay. was saying he was saying something to reach a certain amount of people that he didn't need to say because we're English. If he said it English or in Patois, we would understand because there's no such thing as Jamaican. 
So you're saying he was wasting his breath because he already said it at the start. He was already talking to everybody that spoke English. Time to move on. So he was basically, it was a little favoritism there. Well, it's it's all good. I mean, him and his brother love our people and we love them back, so it's all good, but it's not racism at all. Hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget, we broadcast live Monday through Friday between 9 and noon, and you can listen online to that at 640toronto.com.